Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. Hello, I'm Stephen Willis, and this is an extra video from Locked On Ole Miss, and I'm joined by Pratt Rogers, and we're going to talk about all the commitments that Ole Miss has been getting. We're going to be talking about Mercer and all that stuff. Honestly, I'm just excited that it's game week, Pratt. Steven, my man, me too. I mean, when you say all the commitments, I mean, we're really not missing out right now. It's uh, mm. it's exciting. It, it fall is in the air. Football is in the air. A lot of anticipation and kind of just a great week as a whole. Yeah, it, it honestly, it's a really great week. It all started with the addition of five-star Camarian Franklin, who Ole Miss absolutely needed that. We interviewed Brian Smith from there. It's like, that's a player that Lane Kiffin has to get. He was a must-get player. And you know me, Pratt. I'm I'm, I'm much more low-key about recruiting than that. But Brian was all about that. And then you get in a real white, who's basically a wide receiver that was made in a lab to run the Lane Kiffin spread offense in from the slot position. And then yesterday, Trevor Jackson, who a lot of people are saying is – one of the surprise quarterbacks of this year's class. He has a chance to go to the Under Armour All-American game, in my opinion, and he's high as high as ninth in the country um, by um, ESPN. Wow, I didn't see really that. Good. Yeah, I didn't see he was that high on ESPN. That's awesome. Yeah, that, yeah. that's a testament to him and an eye for talent. That's that's great. Yeah, and, and we look at it, ESPN and Under Armour, they're kind of married. Yeah, they are what they are. They're, that, that whole thing is being broadcast on ESPN. And Trevor Jackson being from Winter Garden, which those who do not know is a suburb of Orlando where the Under Armour game is. And if he's ninth in the country to begin with, you have to imagine that the Under Armour was, is going to have him in that game. For sure. No, I completely agree. The only con, I think, of him maybe not getting the look, Stephen – would be just probably hasn't had a ton of varsity experience is kind of where what I've read a little bit. I think he had like 17 touchdowns last year, maybe, you know, under double-digit interceptions. I can't remember the exact number. But he hasn't, from my understanding, you know, been the guy like the last two to three years has kind of been my understanding. I think he's kind of emerging on the scene and growing into his role as a – starting quarterback and I think somebody that Kiffin could absolutely mold into into you know three-year starter in, in Ole Miss you know on Monday's show I did the whole first segment of the show is how Jackson Dart is the best SEC quarterback he is the best quarterback in the SEC now me telling you that you you know nothing about that what what is your first thought there my thought is I mean it's a very viable opinion and it's because one of two things one I think he's an extremely talented quarterback but two there's really not a whole lot of returning quarterbacks I mean you got Will Rogers who's feels as if he's 30 years old and I would take I'd take dart over Will Rogers from Mississippi State 10 out of 10 times and you know outside that there's really just there's not a lot of kind of seniority, so to speak, uh, of, you know, really high-end QB play in the SEC this year, uh, at least in my opinion. Georgia, Bama, Auburn, 
Um, you know, they've got some question marks at quarterback, I feel like. And, um, you know, I think that kind of gives rise to Jackson Dart being able to be in that kind of elite conversation. Yeah, and if you look at it, I'm like, the two top quarterbacks in the SEC, in my opinion, is Devin Leary at Kentucky. Love Devin Leary. Jackson Dart. And then in the next tier is where the Jaden Daniels and the KJ Jeffersons yeah. are. I think Carson Beck, if you wanted the other quarterback that had a chance to get that top tier, I think For he's sure. the one that has a chance to get up there. But he's in show-me mode, honestly. Yeah, I mean – I mean, I feel like it's been talked about ad nauseum for, you know, that Saban went uh, after their spring game and didn't feel ultra confident about their quarterback scenario, went and got a, a transfer to come in after watching the spring game, doesn't give you the warm and fuzzies about the quarterback position on your team. So, I mean, I, I get that. And I, I feel as if Dart's kind of been there and proving it. And, um, you know, I, I think it's a narrative that everybody believes in Oxford that as the season went on, Dart got better and better. We've talked about it on the show. And I think optimism is high for Dart. And there's no reason for somebody to come in and have a negative attitude towards that at all, towards that take at all. So – We'll change subjects here for just a second. It's game week. It's Mercer week. There's actually going to be an Ole Miss football game played within the next five days um, in Oxford. And what do, you, what do you know about the Mercer Bears? Very little. Uh, I watched uh, – I did watch a few of the, the highlights from the Northern Alabama game. And the first thing that kind of stood out to me, Steve, first off, before we even dive into any of this, if we don't win – 45 to zero or something yeah, close problem. to that. Yeah. It's a problem. But being the college football addicts that we are, I uh, did kind of look a little bit into some of the Mercer highlights. And, you know, it's it's hard to gauge how fast a team is when they're playing another team of equal slowness in North Alabama. But one thing I did kind of notice is – uh, I felt like Mercer had trouble on defense kind of protecting the edge and North Alabama was able to kind of run like, like almost like a long toss and kind of break the edge and to house it, you know, something like that. So I think I expect Judkins to have a day. Uh, I watched their running back have a touchdown named Micah Bell. And I also, I saw their punt return have a really good, uh, uh, I think his name was Dervin Harper. Uh, or Devron Harper, but I watched him kind of take that opening kickoff back 50 yards or so. Awesome spin move, kind of juked one guy. So, he's you know, what, what, is that, what does that tell you, though, Stephen? I mean, what does that tell you if he's faster than, than everybody else on well, the field? Uh, does that mean he's slower than everybody else on our team? I mean, I guess that's kind of the question that is hard to determine from watching the game on TV. When it comes from skill players, I don't know if you can play that because there's a there's a ton of four or five football players. It isn't the fact that you're four or five that makes you fast when it comes to college football. It's other things. I think Devron Harper, the return man, he is the NFL prospect on their roster. Um, Phil Steele rated him as the top FCS punt returner out there for the NFL draft. Um, he's a good player. Their offense did not – it struggled against North Alabama. It, it just I saw did. that too. 
I saw that too. And, There's nothing impressive from that, I didn't think. Yeah, and North Alabama was not good last year. I mean, they changed coaches and all this. And I, now I'm not an aficionado of, of North Alabama football. Uh, I, I'm just not. I'm just going off what they said on the broadcast, but they changed coaches. They changed systems. They changed a whole bunch of stuff. And at the end of the day, it was a 17-7 win by Mercer. Mercer is ranked in the FCS poll. I think you come out of that game and you're like, eh, how are they ranked even 22nd? Uh I, I honestly expected more out of Mercer, if that sounds weird. I felt the exact same way. <laughs> I felt the exact same way. I expected him, I mean, not to light it up against Northern Alabama, but, you know, hang 28, 31, something like that, and win by two or three touchdowns. I, I don't know, something like that. I was just expecting more oomph, for lack of a better term, you know? And, man, I did not feel that. So, I just – Hope we don't come out flat on Saturday. Don't think we will. I think we're going to be hyped up and, like I said, hopefully win by 100. But um, they literally nothing scared me about this team, which is a terrible knock on wood, terrible thing to say. But uh, yeah, I, I didn't have any any qualms about playing Mercer on Saturday at all. Well, before we get out of here, um, they put po um, pictures online of the mock game and in the mock game for those who don't know it's everything about the football game but the football game it's all about operational substitution patterns all of that stuff but they wear a game uniform to do it the news and the reason i'm telling you that is cedric johnson is still wearing number two and it has the patch on his jersey of the 38 um so he is not interesting going to wear, yeah he's not going to be wearing the 38 this year it'll be just the 38 patch so does that mean that they like retired the jersey in itself? It's the only only way you can wear that jersey is if you get selected to wear it. But it's your choice at that point to actually wear the number. Wow. Okay. So, I I always thought it was kind of once you get selected for the number that it was the honor of getting to wear the number thirty eight and that came with you physically wearing the jersey. I don't think I actually knew that it didn't entail that you were kind of quote-unquote required to wear the jersey, to be it, honest. It, yeah, it kind of goes back and forth. For instance, like when Billy Brewer and Tommy Tuberville was the coach and do that, whenever you got won the award, you got selected, you changed your number to number 38. There, yep, there, that's kind of what I always thought, yeah. yeah. But once Ed Orgeron was at Ole Miss, and this was when I was there, like Patrick Willis won the Chucky Mullins Award but Patrick Willis never wore anything but 49. He had the 38 yeah. patch on his jersey. So Ed Orgeron and Lane Kiffin, they're the ones with the patch and had that idea, and everybody else was been all jersey and all in. Wow. Okay. Wow. I don't think – I never I never knew that. And I swear I thought some games we just had like the uh, – forgive my ignorance on it, but I thought we had like a Chucky Mullins dedicated game sometimes where – everybody would wear like a little patch or something of 38. Am I completely making that up? I feel like that happened when I was so, in college. Yeah, it happened one time uh, against um, Vanderbilt. It was the 20th or 30th anniversary. It was in 2014 is when it was. It was the 25th anniversary of the Chucky Mullins injury, and it was against Vanderbilt. And the whole thing was they came out in warm-ups and they wore, all wore 38 on their helmets. Maybe that's what it was. And then okay. whenever they went to the locker room and came back out, they were wearing the powder blue helmets. That was when they got debuted. 
Okay. All right. Okay. This is starting to make right, a little uh, more sense now. Yeah. Uh, maybe, well, that's interesting. Maybe you were in the college haze of going to a football game. That is probably a very fair assessment. <laughs> um, if my mom's listening, you know, maybe, maybe not, but uh, anyway, yeah, all that's fair. All right. So Mercer's coming in this weekend. Give me a prediction of the game. Tell me what to expect. I do think we win by, I mean, I, I don't know what this, I don't even think there's a spread on the game. It, uh, it, yeah, it'll be, be a no line game. Um, I mean, I guess we win by 42. Um, I expect the score to be maybe seriously 52 to 10, something like that. Maybe 52, 17, um, somewhere in there. And, you know, I think the really the big thing you look for in that game is how do you utilize Spencer Sanders? I mean, just I don't foresee him getting first snap. I don't foresee him having a ton of meaningful time. But how do you utilize, utilize Sanders? That's going to be a big question mark for me. How do you utilize Trig? Big question mark. Um, so those are kind of things I think you get the um, get to feel out first game of the season. So if it's 35 nothing at halftime, who goes in at quarterback after dark? I have no clue. <laughs> Truly no clue. I mean, I know if it was me, I would put in probably Walker Howard, honestly, and go from there. But I don't make those decisions. Uh, I'd have packages for Sanders throughout the entire second half of that game if it's 35-0. Um, from the third quarter on, I'd probably rotate him in and out with with Howard. But, I mean, I doubt you're going to be throwing the ball a whole lot uh, in the second half anyway if you're up 35-0. to zero. So, yeah. I mean, I maybe it's a futile Simmons. effort. I don't know. Yeah, I want to see Go Austin ahead. Simmons too. I do too. Yeah, yeah, I do too. I mean, not not to pick favorites, but uh, probably more than Sanders. I'm just kind of curious how that is implemented. So uh, I'm sure they got some cool run packages. I think it'd be really cool if we implemented like some sort of option for Sanders. I doubt that happens, like a true option uh, you, you dynamic. Know, you know we have what I call the Lane Kiffin triple option play. That is I did not know we have the Lane Kiffin yes, triple we have option the play. Lane Tell me about the Kiffin, Lane Kiffin triple option play. The Lane play. Kiffin triple option play. The first option is a jet sweep to where you can give it to the runner on the jet sweep or you can um, go to the second option. The second option is an inside zone to a running back. So fake the jet sweep, give it to Quinshawn Judkins. If not, you can pull it and the quarterback keeps the ball around the end. That, have you that seen is, this in practice? Is that a play yes. that you've seen? Okay, cool. Yes, I, I have. I've seen that. That's uh -huh. awesome. Yeah, he he uh, ran that all the way back at FAU, and I think we've run it one or two times at Ole Miss. We couldn't run it last year because they couldn't snap the ball. Fair. Um, <laughs> also, a if, notation, things to pay attention to during the Mercer game, can we snap the ball? Things yes, like that. Yes, um, absolutely. And, and if you're looking for goals, it's not the end of the world if it doesn't happen but I want to see Mercer score less than 10 points. Yeah, me too. Um, mm. You know, I've read a uh, few snippets on the practice report today and, um, or excuse me, from Saturday. I read it today from Saturday. And it, it definitely made the defense. I mean, I think they were the ones and twos were going against the scout team primarily on Saturday, but it made it feel as if it was kind of a dominant performance. 
which was kind of encouraging, I felt like. Uh, I think you kind of need that bolster defensively. You got to be careful not to take too much from a mock game. Um, As somebody that was out there and had to go through the mock, I hated going through mock games. It was absolutely terrible. It was the most boring thing that you could absolutely imagine. But the whole purpose of them is the operational stuff, the substitution, make sure the special teams, like on third and five, the special teams knows where to line up so that you don't get out there and have 10 men on the field or 12 men on the field yeah, and stuff like that. And it's important. It's a Pete Carroll thing. That's what they uh, did at USC. That's what they Ed Orgeron did when he was here. Lane Kiffin has brought that same thing over. But, you, I mean, the good news about it is you don't see operational problems from Ole Miss. They generally know what they're doing. So we'll see exactly how that goes. I, but I don't think um, you should take like a hardcore stuff, like the football stuff from a mock game. I think you can. That's take, very fair. Yeah. You can yeah, take very fair. You can take who's in the game and things like that. Um, but you can't really take like performance based, if that makes sense. No, I completely, I completely see that side of it. You know, it's just I think everybody craves so much for mm-hmm. we're so close that everybody is just trying to pick up get about how this team could be this year. And that that's mm-hmm. what we all live and breathe, you know? Yeah. Hey, that's the reason I'm here. That's the reason I do what I do. Yeah. Anyway, yep. thank you for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. For your second listen, check out Locked On SEC. Chris Shorty does a fantastic job there. As well, lots of great stuff from them. Every dayers after Pratt Rogers, we've got um, the voice of the Mercer Bears going to be on the show. We've got Tom Vanderford, and we've got a pre and post game show Saturday as well that we are going to live stream. So tune in for that. This is the last week of open enrollment to sign up for the Discord server. Understand, handle that as well. If you have any questions about that, if it's expired, hit me a, up with a DM and I will let you in as well. So for Pratt Rogers, I'm Stephen Willis. We'll see you next time. Hotty toddy. See you, man. Later on.